Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 87, Ed and Nathan. Hello. How are you? We are back. We are. Right well into September. We are at the end of September. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at the end of the baseball season. It's my, For me and Ed, that's a good time. It is. I love this time of year. One, I like, uh, I like, I like warm weather over cold weather, but... I like after you've been through the really, really hot and humid, yeah. how in Georgia it starts to cool down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would call, though, fall in Georgia warm weather. Oh, it's still warm. Much, yeah, 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 yeah. Summer is blazing, scorching <laughs> hot weather in Georgia, and this yes. year, extra so. Mm. Extra Especially so in year. August. Yeah. August it was, was It was, yeah. I think one of the hot, if not, I think it was the hottest recorded year in, uh, I think, in America, maybe the world. That we've ever had recorded. <gasps> Global so, warming. There no, you go. don't talk about that. We don't need to get into all that. Someone's okay. coming at us now. I'm all just right. saying, it was a hot year this year. Well, I think all that you need objectively, to say. we can I have say, now gotten that most people no longer argue whether it exists. It exists. They're just about, did we have anything to do with it? Yeah, don't we'll make just, me feel bad. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, anyway, I love this time of year. Yep. Football's back. I'm, I'm not, football of the three sports is my third. Okay. I like Okay. I like baseball the most. I like NBA second. And, and it's like, coming up. Nathan NBA's gonna be coming up. He's jacked yeah. up right now. Yeah, I'm all, I'm already excited. Yeah. yeah. I am sure but no, by this point, well, we may have already had preseason games. I, think so. I don't know. I am blown away every year when the NFL starts back how much our country loves the NFL. I know. Yes. And even when people are like, very I'm never watching the NFL again. Yes, you are. When you somebody's watching because Every time an NFL game is on, it's like the NFL looks at MLB and NBA and goes, y'all so cute. Let, let yeah. us just triple your, yeah. your viewership Despite- in, in a game that nobody cares about. Yeah. Here's the Falcons and the Eagles, yeah. and they've got more viewership than the NBA championship. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, what despite your political persuasion, what everyone in America is pro is uh, head trauma. <laughs> Everyone is very pro head trauma. We do. We do. We love that because there's a lot of conclusive evidence out that's like this is not good for humanity, and we're like, but you know, it's really fun, fun to, watch to watch them hit their heads. Every time you watch it. it, you're like, mm, that's not good for that guy. But I, I have don't to know. say this: I don't know if either one of you all watched. You know, uh, in a, uh, Monday Night Football now has an alternate broadcast that is the Manning broadcast. I heard about this that they have. The two Manning brothers who are both Hall of Famers mm-hmm. going to be. Well, Eli will hey, be. Will. I think, Is he maybe. retired as well? He's Eli retired. retired well? They now do commentary on a separate, not the main broadcast, but they're doing commentary while the broadcast is happening. And uh, it is uh, dang funny. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, I watched just a you little can, bit. How do you watch it? It's on ESPN2 last night. Oh. Last night, the main broadcast on ESPN, the other one's on ESPN2. You know, they did that last year. They did a Nickelodeon NFL broadcast, yeah. a broadcast on one of But this was Manning broadcast, and it's them. They were both quarterbacks, so there is some insider stuff. But then there's a lot of... Oh, they're definitely brothers. Yeah, going back and forth with oh each other. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Eli could not stop making fun of oh, Peyton's awesome. large forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, who could? Well, there you go. All right. and, and at some point, a fire alarm went off, and Peyton made a big deal. Like big Brothers would? Well, well, Eli did that, I guess. Wow. <laughs> you know? Then they bring in the other one. Isn't it Cooper? 
Yeah. Is that the Cooper other one they the bring in? Come on in, Cooper. He's actually the older brother. Come on. He's the oldest brother. Yeah. Come on. You two can get in here. <laughs> Good for you. Good job, Cooper. Oh, He's like, guys, yeah. I just sold I sold a house or whatever he does. I don't know what he does. That's wow. good for you, Cooper. Good job, <laughs> Cooper. All right. I'm so. CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Oh, that's great. Does it happen to be one of the insurance companies we do uh, commercials for? Nationwide. Oh, is that what he does? I don't even know what he does. No. I don't know. All right. So today, here's our agenda. Sponsored by Nationwide. No. <laughs> not yet. We're going to have two discussions. Uh, last week, as you remember, we started a discussion on this book Ed has found called How Not to Read the Bible. I, I didn't, like, find it. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of people out he there. He was at the bargain. <laughs> he's, he's got it. I went out looking for a book, yes. and I stumbled and on it. And we actually got a question in uh, that relates to that discussion. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, first, we're going to have a discussion. Now that we are, uh, as, as this uh, podcast drops, we are about halfway through the series we've been in called uh, Good, Not Great. Yes. And uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit about, because we've gotten so much reaction from people about some of the topics and nuances that we brought out in that uh, series. We thought it'd be good to unpack that a little bit. So we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about that, and then I'm going to cut it off and get to the question that has to do with reading the Bible. So let's have that discussion first, Good, so, Not Great. So I'll tell you the one that I want to talk about, and we can... Uh, Early on in this series, we made a point about Jesus not being a means to your ends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and personally, that was, I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms before. And when I heard Nathan teach that, it wasn't like the concept was new to me, but right. just putting it in that phrase and the way that we did it in both the online and in the in-person service, it really brought it home to me that I too often, I mean, I too, like I'm some special, <laughs> I often, even me, even me, uh, that I uh, often do look at Jesus yeah. as a means to accomplish my ends, yes. the yes. things I want in life. Yes. Well, and you know, uh, that's not exactly what God is going for. Not uh, even close. Not quite. Well, and I think we even get in danger, um, even with some of the ways that we Christianize that because, and I hear lots of people say say this. Uh, and I'm, I, I was going to say I'm going to be careful. I'm not careful with anything I say. So uh, we tend to talk about like I have this vision, and I attach God to the vision, and I say, and then I may even say God gave me this vision of this thing I'm supposed to accomplish. And really, if I'm not careful, it's really about something I want to accomplish and get done. And I'm, and it may even be for a good cause, but because ultimately, really, it's something I want to accomplish, I start attaching God to it. And then when it doesn't come through the way I thought it was going to come through, I'm really upset with Jesus because this, this God gave me a vision. Or the, this, and we make it a very Christianized thing of that what Jesus is most interested in is making sure that whatever dream or vision or goal, and even if it's a good thing, because this is the one I always feel people, I said it um, on the Sunday, the first Sunday of everyone's almost okay when you say God's, God's not here to build a great career for you. Everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, I know. Like we all want the great career, mm -hmm. we get it. And then I would say he's not here to build a great family for you. Everyone kind of goes, 
because that's such a good thing, and it is a good thing. Family is a great thing. It's a good thing in the terms of our things. It is something God wants uh, for families to be healthy and to be, but the, the end goal of your family is not your family. Well, I think the interesting part of the good, not great thing is the way that you set it up in that very first week and that we continue to talk about is, so we take a great family. God's not here to make a great family. If I allow God to define what a great family sure. is, mm-hmm. he is here to yes. do that. Yes, that's right. But most of the time when I'm praying to God about my family becoming a great family, mm-hmm. I am defining what that mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that defines what holidays we have and how we have it and how we celebrate it and who does what and where we go and how we go on vacation and how much money we make and what career they have and what they do. Yeah. God's not really into that equation other than removing obstacles from me getting to that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And that's how we even pray. I mean, yes. you, you've heard this a million times. Somebody will say, well, like you mentioned, Nathan, somebody say, you know, I believe God has given me a vision for this, and I'm going to go this direction until God closes the door. I'm believing him until it happens. Or something. Yeah. Or I'm going to I'm gonna go through the open door unless God closes it or whatever. And it's like putting, it's really putting God to a test. It, yeah. it's, yeah, I'm going to sure. do what I'm going to do, God. You better stop me. Yeah, really? you start you start bolting the door open, and yeah. you're like, God, unless you do yeah. this. Well, and, you know, again, this goes against a little bit of what we're talking about in the Bible. I mean, that whole goes against when we're talking about how to read the Bible. But people ignore the fact that God used people who were obviously doing things God didn't want to do to yeah. eventually bring people back to the plan God had. Yeah. So He takes an evil king like Cyrus, yep. yeah. and allows him just to destroy and murder people. Yeah. <laughs> In the worst horrible way, nobody would say, God blessed Cyrus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he just allowed it to happen because Cyrus didn't care about a window or a door or a building. Yeah. He'd knock any of those things down. And yet the Bible's pretty clear. He was God's chosen instrument mm-hmm. to bring Israel back. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying, I'm going to wait till the door closed, there may not be a door closed because you might be Cyrus. Oh. <laughs> you sure. might just and be you plundering. Want, and you don't want to be. You don't want to be Cyrus. Yeah. Just because he was God's chosen instrument does not mean his life turned out the way anybody wants their life turning out. Mm. Yeah. Well, because ultimately, and so Cyrus is a good example of this. Cyrus was great by the means of the world because he's the king. And in that time, I mean, that's everything. There ain't anyone higher than the king. And God goes, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use what this guy is doing to bring Israel back, but he isn't he isn't going and me and Cyrus are working together. I think that's the way that we miss this is that's God right. or that God inspires Cyrus to do these that's things. Right. Cyrus is doing these things and God goes, there's an opportunity for me to use this thing. But not like you said, none of us want to be Cyrus no. because there's nothing good being produced in Cyrus. Because clearly in the battle between Cyrus and Israel, God's chosen people were still Israel who right. were being defeated and right. killed. Hmm. <laughs> right. That's a little... <laughs> that, we could do a lot with that. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. I have realized in, in that discussion, and I had m- several, I don't want to like many like it was hundreds. Yeah. I had several, several discussions after that with people who go, I think I'm doing that, and mm-hmm. I really need to make sure... And, and the point was, when you make Jesus the end, when following Jesus is just about following Jesus, yeah. then he becomes the end goal, 
and he becomes the means for you to get to your end. The power right. of Jesus at mm-hmm. work in you empowers you to follow Jesus when there are things he asks you to do that you don't think you can do. I was just having, I just, I believe today in uh, my communication with my discipleship guys that I'm following Jesus with, and um, one of the questions was, what is that that, you know, God has been teaching you lately or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And I and I just, I believe through this discipleship process that we've been in, that has been the big learning for me uh, in the past several years is I've learned to want Jesus more mm-hmm. than I want what Jesus gives me. Yes. And it's hard to say. Se- I know it's hard to separate those two because they do come together as a package deal. But it, it it has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with me and where my f- focus lies. And I and I see like a lot of the people that talk to you, Ed. I I have realized there has been a large portion of my life where I have loved the things Jesus brings me more than I have longed for Him. Yes. And it it changes everything when you make that switch. Yep. Well, and if I get myself to a place, I think we all want to be at. I mean, I think, you know, it's the one thing that I think, I know I've heard all of us say it before in a message of, of viewing every day and every person as a gift, which I think, and I, I feel it with people. That resonates. I want that. I want to be the kind of person that sees life as a gift. The life has been given to me. If I see the stuff Jesus gives to me as a gift, for many of us, there's a danger that is involved with that that we don't like because that means I can't earn it apart from Jesus. And therefore, even what you're saying, there are times that the stuff Jesus gives me are a package. I get Jesus and I get the thing. But there are times, and I've experienced it. I know we've all experienced this, that I do get Jesus, but the thing I thought Jesus was going to give me, I don't get. That's right. right. And I don't get that thing. And, you know, you talk about people like Mother Teresa and, you know, very famous. I can't think of the the, the, the guy right now who, who coined the phrase, but the phrase dark, uh, dark night of the soul mm-hmm. and that Mother Teresa. St. John, John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross. Thank you. Yes. That Mother Teresa herself famously said towards the end of her life, she was going through a dark night of the soul that the kind of peace and joy and the kind of life that comes often with following Jesus, she was not experiencing that part of the of the deal, but she still loved Jesus and she still got Jesus. It's not that you don't get Jesus. Mm-hmm. You just may not experience those parts. I certainly have had parts of my life where that's the way, where I wake up and I pray and I don't feel anything. And I'm not talking about like one day, not every day I feel something, but I, I have had periods where there have been months and I go, I, it feels quiet. If this feels tedious. It feels like I'm not, you know, but I still have Jesus in the middle of it. And that if I go, ultimately, it's you that I love, because when I love something, I am willing the good of it. And when Jesus is what I love, meaning I want what's best for Jesus. It's one of the things that I love. Just when you talk about kids, uh, when I pray with my kids, one of my kids, every time, I have never heard anyone else ever say this, but she says that every time I'll, I've taught them to pray and then I let them pray occasionally. And the way that we pray, uh, people who come visit us always say, it sounds like you guys are a cult. One person prays and we all repeat what that person says. So okay. when I pray, I'll, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. And so I do the same thing when they pray. Well, one of my ch- children, every time she prays, she 
she ends it by saying, and Jesus, I hope you have a good day. <laughs> I hope you have a good day today. And everyone kind of giggles because it seems like almost just a very simplistic, like, why would you tell Jesus you mm-hmm. hope he has a good day? And I thought, what I said to her was I said, that must mean you really love Jesus yes. because you're thinking, I want what's best for Jesus That's today. Right. Not Jesus, help me have a good day. Well, Jesus, I hope you have a great day. And you know, the truth is, if literally... I got to believe the disciples when Jesus would send them off to do something that Jesus say, okay, y'all have a good day. And they'd go, you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe if Jesus were literally standing next to right. me and we were all wishing each other a good day, we'd go, well, we don't have to say that to him. He gets to be in charge of everything. We know he's going to have a good day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so if it brings honor to Jesus that I pray to him even when I don't feel, even when I'm not getting the good thing that I thought I have, then that is me loving Jesus above all other things that I still am. I am for you. This doesn't feel, and that's the kind of person, when I get down to it, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be the kind of person, I want to be that way with my marriage. Mm-hmm. I want to be that way with my, that even when you're not giving me what I want out of this relationship, I'm still for you above the, well, the things you give me. Well, and the that, three of us know because we've all been married. Even yeah. you, Nathan, at this point, you're a decade in. Um, 12 years. Yeah. yeah. So we've all been married longer than the average American. Sure. Uh, <laughs> there have been many days that were not thrilling. Yes. <laughs> She's living with me, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've been good. Yeah. Some of them haven't been good. Yeah. But... They, for me, I look back at 41 years, and overall, I would still have rather been married every one of those days than not to have been married. So all the things I went through to maintain that relationship, that's the way I feel about, there are many times I pray and I don't sense anything. There are Mm -hmm. times I read the scripture and I don't get anything. Mm -hmm. There are times where I go all, there are times we come to worship and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and but I'm always thankful I'm doing what the Lord would have me to do because ultimately I want a relationship with him. I and it's want, not about you. It's not right. about me. You know, and, and that's the danger. I think I talked about this in the second week of the series. I think that's where the danger comes. And I know I just said earlier there's a, there's a fine line of wanting Jesus versus wanting right. the things that he gives because they do come as a package deal. But here's the, here's the line. When I the sheer the the way I know that I want the things Jesus brings more than I want Him is when I start to realize, and you will, that there are some of those things that I can go get out myself, and yeah. so I don't need Him to go get those things, and so I leave Him behind, and that's what Jesus is talking about in the when He gets done with the uh, intro to the Sermon on the Mount, and He starts talking about anger, and He starts talking about lying. And, and all those things that we talked about in week two, it's that way of saying, oh, I can go out and get these great, my, my word, great things that I want, and I can lead Jesus out of it. And then I start running down that tra- trail and sometimes even convince myself that, well, it's good things. So mm-hmm. I, there, and I can do them in even the name of Jesus. And, and that's, that's the danger right. of not wanting him over those things. Well, and it ultimately becomes, and I know the, the title, not everyone sees the title of the messages, but I know the title of that message you're talking about is Jesus is the, the or the, you called it the me, your means are your ends. Means are your ends. And that idea I think is huge, which is if you think about like the way the Psalms often talk about God's commands to say that his paths or his ways are good and I cherish your ways and I cherish there's this there most of us don't don't hold as tightly 
the ways or the method of something as much as we do the result. And I don't know whether that's an American thing or just a human thing, but we very much are results uh, progress driven people. And as long as, cause I've, I've even said this to people before, you know, that's not the right way to do it. And they go, well, it worked. Yeah. And that's what we say is, well, it worked. And I go, well, we have a really small timetable on worked because we all know parents who had a desired result for one of their kids and it worked what they did doing it incorrectly. It worked. Then 10 years later, it didn't work. That's right. That's right. It didn't produce the thing I wanted. We all know things in our own lives where things were working for me. But then 10 years later, it wasn't working for me. And it was the method that I chose to use. It wasn't the result. Everyone was fine with the result. When I came home with that paycheck, everyone was happy with the result of the paycheck. But 10 years later, they go, the way, the amount of hours you had to work to get that paycheck, that was the problem we had. Or the people you had to push out of the way to get it. Or the people you had to push. Or everyone's happy with the the result of our marriage. And I think about this a lot of, Jesus says, Jesus is our peace. And Jesus tells us this is the path to peace. And we go, so peace is the goal. So I may have to do some unpeaceful things to get peace. And But what we all know is that peace is short-lived. Well, I've also, so real. we take that, and I have had people use that kind of thing. You know, ultimately, God wants me to be at peace. And they'll even take things where there is a clear command God has asked them to do. Yes. And they said, I just don't feel peace about doing that. Yes. Well, that ain't the goal. Yes. Peace is on the other side of obedience because yes. Jesus says, the only way you love me is to do what I say. The people who love yeah. me, they do what I say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So I think that yeah. means yeah. are the ends. If Jesus, and I also heard someone say this, and I, I, I couldn't figure out how to include, I may include it in my last sermon for this, but someone talked about uh, the kingdom of the God is inseparable from Jesus. It's why everything Jesus teaches is rooted in who he is. So when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, you see that in Jesus. Oh, sure. When Jesus says, you don't even call anyone an idiot, you see everything about the kingdom is rooted. So when you say, Jesus is our peace, there is no peace apart from Jesus. Right. Anything else is this false peace. Or, I've seen this before, I want my kid, and this is just a very practical example, I want my kid to respect me, but I treat them disrespectfully to get them to respect yeah. me. They That eventually always comes back on. Or I want my, my wife will show me respect, my husband will show me respect but the way i'm going about getting the respect is not respecting them as a person yep. there is no way to get there the the in the end whatever your end will be up will be the means you took to get to that end and it may not happen right away mm. it may not happen right away but it eventually will be the case and that's huge and so if the end i want is to be with jesus the only way to get to be with jesus is just choose to be with jesus <laughs> I just have to choose. That's I want right. to be with and Jesus. And there was another line you said, the moment you choose you want to be with Jesus, you are. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That I don't have. That is the thing of when you seek me with your whole heart, which mm. means there's nothing between you and me. You really want it. You aren't lying that you want it yep. or that you want something I will give you. You want me. The moment you want me, yes. you find me. Well, and it's, and that is eternal life. Like that is the goal. And we've all had moments like that where I have, I know in that moment I wanted Jesus and I turned to Jesus. Now there were other moments later that maybe I didn't and right, I, and sorry. I, but I experienced a peace in that moment right. or I experienced a joy in that moment, something eternally wonderful. And it, and it, and it was good mm. and it was good. All right. 
Good, not great. Good, not great. <laughs> I'll put a bow on that discussion. All right, we wanted, before we get done here, uh, to talk uh, uh, another, have another discussion about what we started last week, uh, this idea of how not to read the Bible. And at about the same time we were starting this discussion, I got a question from a listener that I thought tied into that, uh, that discussion. So I want to tie that question in now. Um, because, and so the main point we made last yes. time that is our first thing we think ties in here is never read a Bible verse. Yes. Don't mm-hmm. read a Bible right. verse. Yes, right. And, and, and a lot of times what we mean by that is isolating verses by themselves can often lead us to some really bad conclusions. Yeah, because then you take this Bible verse, you put this Bible verse, you stack this Bible mm-hmm. verse, and you go, and they'll start see, contradicting. those things contradict yeah, each other. because they will. They will contradict each other if you take them that way. And I think that's what this question is the person is struggling with, and so maybe we can help clear this up for whoever wrote it to us. Uh, here's a question. It said, I thought no one uh, has ever seen God the Father. And I think what they're referring to there is a statement that Jesus made. He said, no one has seen the Father. Okay, so so they're saying, I thought that was what the Bible said. You are right. <laughs> but it says the Bible also seems to say that Moses saw God and that God walked with Adam and Eve. So they're, they're trying to say, how do you reconcile those statements? So let's see if we can help unravel that uh, for this question asker. So I don't know who wants to start on You want to start on that, Nathan, or you want... I can start. That's fine. I think, yeah, I think... Uh, the genre is a big thing, understanding what's being communicated in all those verses and the genre that they're written in. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think I always just start with Jesus. Yes. And so Jesus does say in a couple different places, he says, at one point he says, no one's ever seen the Father except for the Son, and he's talking about himself, or no one knows the Father except for the Son. Then in another place he says, no one has seen the Father, but if you've seen the Son, if you you've have. seen me, you have seen yeah. the Father. Um, but so bo- right there it seems as if Jesus maybe is contradicting himself. Sure. If, yeah, <laughs> if, if, if that we literally. misunderstand how language works. That's right. Like, you you yeah. understand that things are progressive even within a sentence that, yes. I'm, I'm, uh, that Jesus is saying... And ultimately what he's saying is he's not talking about physical sight. Yes. Uh, even in those, because I don't even think when Jesus says, when you, and, and when you look at me, uh, a Middle Eastern man, that is what God, God is, a Middle Eastern right. man. That That's isn't right. what he's saying. That's what he's right. saying is that I am as what uh, Hebrew says it, Colossians says it, that we, he's the divine image. He's the image of God. He's the representation, representation. of God. Yeah. That when that it's what John means when John says he's the word of God. He's saying that when God wanted to communicate himself, he didn't give us a book. He gave himself. Right. He came right. in a fully enfleshed yeah, person. Words are just what we use yeah. to express our thought and intent. Yes. Yep. And God, instead of using words, he sent himself. himself. He yes. goes, I want to give you a full, it's the difference between reading a biography of someone and knowing a person. Yes. Right. That I can know lots of facts about you. So that's what he means. Yeah. So then when you get to what happens in these stories of Adam and Eve and Moses, I don't think anything that Jesus meant contradicts those no. stories. No, because you take the story of Moses and it's really clear. So you have to get to, it says, God says, you can't see my face. So Moses can't see his face as if God has a face. As if he has a face. later, Jesus says God's spirit. only spirit, so he mm-hmm. didn't have a face. Yeah. But he, so God hides him with his hand, which he doesn't, he have, doesn't a have a hand. hand. <laughs> yeah. But he lets his glory pass before him, whatever that Whatever means, that is. That, whatever that means. And it made the glory of God makes Moses shine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the same thing as 
physical seeing because it's really clear. He didn't see God. And, well, yeah. and you know and what I, I also think? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, and the person also brought up the Adam and Eve story in the Old Testament, and I think we're going to get into this in our later discussions mm-hmm. on how not to read the Bible, but that you're, when you take it that way to the Adam and Eve story, they walked with God in the garden as mm-hmm. if a, he was there physically as a person. You, you have to assume that the writer of Genesis is is giving us a literal picture and and blow by blow historical account of right. how Adam and Eve experienced God, and that that in itself is an assumption. Yeah, because we don't we don't know for sure that this is a historical blow by blow. This is exactly how it happened. It's it's teaching us a greater lesson. So you can't take the fact that Adam and Eve were walking with God in the garden that they were physically laying eyes on him. Maybe maybe not. So, yeah. Well, and I think this was a thought I had when you talked about the Moses story, because I've often seen, even he- heard people say this, of anyone who would be in the presence of God would die. And that idea comes yeah. from that Moses story. It does. But it's a, it's a verse that's taken out of context, because the story is, God says, Moses, bring the people up to the mountain to see me. And they say, no, Moses, only you can go because anyone who would be in God's presence would die. God never said people who come into my presence die. They have this presupposition that if there is this all-powerful God, anyone who would come into his presence would surely die. There's this idea that I'm going to get... The, the ultimate idea of the entire story of the Bible is what Jesus is trying to say in the no one has seen the Father except for the Son is that original intent of what the picture of walking is God wants to be with the people that's why God comes and so he comes and he goes I want to rescue the people he goes y'all come up the mountain to see me and they go no we can't do that and he goes okay well then I'll come down and live in a tent with you guys because I want to be among you guys they put him in this tent then we mess that whole thing up so we go God only lives in a tent and then we go you know what and then David comes in at some point goes God shouldn't live in a tent he should live in a temple and God's like I don't live in a house made by human you guys are missing the point and then Jesus shows up and goes, I'm the temple. Mm. This whole thing you've missed. I'm. And then eventually he goes, you're the now temple. You are. <laughs> because yes. the whole point was none of these. So my point in all of that is yeah. we get our, and then we create these paradigms of how to even read the Bible of God really cares about temples. So when Jesus comes to destroy the temple, God did like the temple. He was doing this and he goes, it's a miss. It's, it's taking particular verses or particular ideas. You're missing the theme, which I do believe there are themes all over the Bible that go through all of these different things. And one of the themes that we can know because of the life of Jesus, God wants to be with us. Yes. God desires to be closer to us than the air we breathe. That's what the whole Jesus rescue mission was about. Yes. Well, and if it really, it's the whole story of the Bible. Yeah. The whole story of the Bible is in the beginning, God is creating a place where he can be with humans. The earth was created so God could be with humans. And at the end of time, God recreates it where he can be with humans. And everything, it's the full story. It's a unified story that leads us to Jesus. And Jesus takes us to God because he is God. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing becomes complete. So again, yeah, so that's why we chose this question because I think it had a it gave us a, a a really tangible way to illustrate what we talked about last week. Of right. Don't just read a verse, right. or even stack verses, or stack you verses. Start yes. stacking verses and trying to get some kind of intent of well, this means this and that. And boy, I tell you, this really gets to when you get to people you know want to go to the Book of Revelation, then they want to take me to Daniel, and then they want to mm. go to Ezekiel, and they want to go here, and they want to go yeah. here, and this means this and this means this and okay yeah you just you can just get into a lot of trouble yeah you know and 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 really 
paint yourself into a little bit of a corner. And sure. And and I'm just saying, if you're if you're a person who loves the scriptures and you want to know God, you don't want to you don't want to be in that kind of a discussion. You, 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 it won't go well. Because again, ultimately, one of the reasons Dan Kimball writes this book and that we wanted to talk about it, and I've seen it personally in 30 years here is that when you begin to do that, where you stack up verses and you begin to make a theology out of verses instead of the overall scope of what the Bible is talking about, the Bible does become the quickest way to lose your faith. Yeah. Mm. Because your little creation that you created off to the side of this theology that you made out of individual verses, it crumbles at some point it because it's not what the Bible was doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Yes, sir. So we're going to continue to have this conversation. So um, next week when you come back, I think we're going to move on and pick another specific yep. area of so reading So at the some Bible. point we're going to talk about how the Bible is not anti-science. Yep. It's not sure. anti-woman. It's not pro-slavery. Pro-violence. It, pro-violence, not. all of those kind of things. And we'll probably do those in some kind of order or, or not. You know, it's us. going to be in a order. I just, you know, us. we don't know what the order will yeah. be. We'll By the limitations of our human brains, we can only go in a order. Well, we just have it pre depicted. We may all just mull around a little while, <laughs> knowing how we do things. You know what grinds my gears about what people think about the Bible? <laughs> All right, so come back and you'll you'll hear something. We don't know what it'll be, but it'll be in an order. That we know. So come back. We'll see y'all next week.